Welcome to Pirate Talk Radio, your podcast for Sea of Thieves news. There's always something to talk about, whether it be patch notes, whether it be bugs, whether it be exploits, whether it be cosmetics that personally I find beautiful, but ugly at the same time. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, guys, to Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode 65. Wait, that, that was a little aggressive. I think in four episodes, we can be aggressive with the episode number. Smart people help the dumb people. So what's going on in Sea of Thieves? Um, well, we've got a lot of news coming out. Um... We, by the time this episode comes out, a few things have already happened, um, but uh, a European uh, company that does energy drink, kind of like G Fuel powders and stuff like that, will be doing a stream. Uh, now, if you're familiar with popular streamers like Behaving Beardly, Spammels, um, Captain Falcor, they're all sponsored by this particular energy drink, and that is Beyond NRG, and they're having a stream uh, to celebrate the launch of a limited edition Sea of Thieves flavored called Athena Colada. Uh, and that stream will be happening. Uh, I don't be- I don't know what's all going on with that stream. Um, there might be some sort of giveaway or a Twitch drop or something. They usually, you know, hype up these kind of things pretty good. But at the end of the day, once the stream is over, it will go on sale. Uh, it is a collector's box. Uh, it comes with, uh, I believe I saw it comes with a, like a, a patch, like a patch you put on like a vest or a backpack. Uh, it comes with a, a Sea of Thieves branded uh, shaker bottle. I believe it's glow in the dark and a tub of the energy drink itself. So hopefully, hopefully, I, I don't know how uh, fast this is going to go, probably pretty quickly. And, and yes, they do ship to the United States. If you are a United States person, uh, you probably have to pay a little extra, but they do ship to the United States. And, uh, uh, I would just be ready, right? I would just be ready. And, and like I said, it's already happened by the time you're listening to this episode. So I hope you got your, uh, your flavor. Uh, I hope you got your collector's box. If that was something you're interested in, I know I'm going to try very hard, uh, to get one and I will report back as if I got one or not. Um, but we'll see, uh, again, I know when they, the Madrinas coffee did their special edition, see if thieves stuff, uh, that stuff was gone before anyone could really click. Uh, and th- they came out with it again. Um, uh, but again, it was, it was sold out pretty quickly. So, uh, I hope you got yours. Um, but, uh, but that's coming up. Uh, the other thing that's coming up and, and what we're going to talk about here in a little bit is the next adventure. Um, the forts of the forgotten. Uh, now what we're going to talk about is the trailer. Um, but, uh, if you're listening to this, the adventure is already out most likely, and, uh, you will be probably enjoying it or getting ready to enjoy it. And then next week we can talk about what my thoughts were on the first adventure. Uh, I've talked multiple times about, I thought the, the original adventure, the very first one, um, I thought it was good. I don't think it was great. I thought it was good. And I thought it was a good, uh, starting point and a launching point, uh, to what they could do in the future. And I like that we're not having to wait, uh, sometimes, uh, months and or years to get content, uh, that is driving the storyline forward. I like this model that they're going to, um, I still think their development cycle of, of three months and trying to keep things interactive for three months, uh, via small content patches is still not a good rhythm. Uh, but I think as far as storyline, I think this is a good rhythm for them where they're basically releasing one adventure every, you know, every couple, uh, every couple months or so, you know, you get one per season as it will. I think that's fine because these are small. Uh, my concern is that they're still not, uh, uh, being able to quickly and effectively, uh, you know, fix server performance. Obviously that is a high priority for them. We've heard it on their official podcast, but again, I want to see the execution, um, hit registration. Again, they said that was a top priority for them on their podcast, but again, I want to see the execution. I can tell you this. We've had one update now 
season six, since the uh, since they talked on their podcast that server stability will be a main focus for them, and I have yet to see it. In fact, the servers are worse now than they were um, in at the end of season five. They're horrible right now. They they are so bad that in fact, when I was playing last weekend, had I not had a crew and 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 fifty percent of our crew was ready just to go play a different game, uh, and that was after about an hour. Of, of playing Sea of Thieves. It's atrocious. The rubber banding is horrible. The lag is horrible. The hit registration is horrible. Servers are, in my mind, in the worst state now than they've been in a very, very long time. Now, I don't know. I assume with this new adventure, we're going to get some sort of patch. Uh, so maybe next week's episode, we can we can revisit this conversation and see if they fixed it. Uh, but as far as you know, grading them on what they said they were going to do versus now season six is here and the first patch hit, they're completely failing. They're going backwards. In fact, they're going so far backwards. I don't remember a time in my years of playing this game that the servers have been this bad. I mean, yes, hit registration has been worse. Yes, there's aspects of the server that have been pretty bad at times, but this is consistent. This is constant rubber banding, constant lag, constant latency, and constant hit registration issues. I don't know if they found something that they wanted to try, maybe start to implement things that might be building in the future, and this was just step one, and we had to take a couple steps back before we take a leap forward. I don't know, but but I, I literally said on stream uh, last weekend with Captain Logan, I literally said this game is unplayable. I said this game at this current moment with this current issue with the servers is unplayable. And it has started that way since season six came out. It wasn't something that just all of a sudden up something broke, you know, a couple weeks in, couple days into season six. No, this has started with season six. And it's something in the patch. Now, we went over the patch notes last week and I identified something that I thought, well, maybe they're trying to fix something and just broke something. That's what it feels like to me. But as far as where we are right now with server performance, the, the game is near unplayable. If you want to do PvP, good luck. You're going to get very frustrated. It's going to be awful. You want to do PvE? against phantoms and doing these forts sure it's going to be fun i think the new content is fun but it's a very frustrating experience because you're teleporting all over the place like last week i was on one floor and then all of a sudden i teleported down to another floor and i'm like what the heck is going on like i'm swinging at a phantom and they don't make the poof emotion like they do when they they you know disappear and go somewhere else no literally the phantom just vanished in front of me and it was gone. Like, it didn't come back. I don't know what was going on. But rubber banding's bad. Latency's bad. Servers are in a really bad state right now. And I hope when the next adventure comes out, adventure number two, The Forts of Forgotten, I hope it comes with a patch. And I hope that patch is going to help whatever they did or maybe the next stage of what they're doing to bring these servers back to a playable state. Because right now, they're not playable. It, it, it You know... Yes. Can you log into the game? Yes. Can you do things in the game? Yes. On that aspect, it's playable. On any sort of fun aspect, on any sort of enjoyable aspect, you have to really love this game to play it right now. That's that's just how bad the servers are. And, and I don't know why, I don't know why Rare can't ever get things right. And I'm not talking about, hey, we, you know, we, we got, we knocked this one out of the park. They just can't roll out a patch that is solid from top to bottom, left and right. Something is always broken and something always gets worse. It never, in general, gets better. And I really wish they would just put effort behind that. And and I'm sure there's a, a, a lot of folks that you, you could point blame to. But at the end of the day, my finger, my, my ultimate finger, as it always is, is pointing at the QA team. Whoever the QA team is at Rare is allowing too much shit to get through, right? Now, maybe, maybe to the QA team's benefit, they're calling this stuff out. And maybe on the higher end, it's like, nope, we have a, we have a timeline to hit with these updates. I, I know it's bad. The QA team has told us it's bad, but we've got to roll it out. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But to me, this is a quality issue. To me, this is an issue where the QA team is not identifying it to a point where the people who are pushing out the patches on their timeline aren't just saying, stop. We got to stop. We got to fix it before we push it out. I would rather 
I would rather, before a update pushes out, if it's not solid, if it's not overall improving the game on every aspect, if the game quality is not going up, I, I don't want this. I don't want something sliding and something else going. I want it all to be going up. If we are not going in a positive direction, then I don't have a problem with them tweeting out and saying, hey, we're going to delay the patch a week. Hey, we're going to delay the patch a month because it's not ready. It's not where it needs to be. I'm not even opposed to them coming out to us and saying, hey, we're changing up our dev cycle so that when we roll out patches, we know they're good. We know the game is going to get better and we're not going to continue to throw it in the trash can. I don't know what they have to do. I don't know what team or teams are to blame. For me, I'm pointing my finger at the QA team. But again, it might not be the QA team. The QA team might be screaming stop. And someone's like, nope, we've got a deadline push. You know, we saw that with a game like New World. We've seen that with many, many games out there across history. And eventually it just, the player base just get tired of it. You've got to say, okay, we cannot meet the promises we made on the, on the content pushes. Pull it back, pull it back. Because we want to make sure whatever software we release to you is in a good, healthy state that is improving the game and not detracting from it. And right now, Rare continues to suffer to continue to roll out patches that are not fully baked. They're half-baked, they're raw in the center, they're cold in the center, they're still frozen in the dead center, and we're trying to figure out why this keeps happening. It can't keep happening. If it happens once... Shit, that sucks. If it happens twice, oh, we missed it. If it happens three times, that's a problem. That's a problem. And I've said it many, many times. I, I, I have bitched about it. I've complained about it. I, I, I've put them on blast. All right? Whoever is the lead person, right? Joe Neat, looking at you. You are the executive producer of Sea of Thieves. It is your job to identify that things are not getting better. Yes, you're putting out really cool content. Yes, the forts, really, really cool. Love it. I love the direction you're taking the game, but you have to be able to stand up and say, we cannot meet these accelerated timelines of pushing content out every three months for a season and make it good. You got to put the brakes on this failure because it's constant. It's continuing. We're still seeing tweets out there. Hey, we saw some data loss due to our servers. Uh, sorry, it's unrecoverable. We've seen that many, 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 many times, month after month after month. Once it becomes a systemic trending issue like that, the big dog has to step in and say, this needs fixed. No more content rolls until I'm 100% satisfied. This isn't going to bite me in the ass. And right now, Joe's ass has to have a whole bunch of bite marks. In fact, it's probably like Jaws just took a bite out of a freaking, you know, supermodel that has had so much injections in their ass. You know, the just the massive non-human ass that some of these people have out there with all the injections they do, right? Jaws took a chunk out of that. That's Joe Neat's ass right now. He has no ass. Why? Because his software that he keeps letting push out keeps not being good. All right. There are good features, but the problem, the overarching problem of server performance is not getting fixed. And this time it's worse than it's ever been. Joe has no ass. Okay. Joe, Joe, please don't bleed out. We love you, Joe. Joe, please. We need you to repair your ass. Okay. Please stop letting your teams bite you in the ass. Because they keep pushing out updates that fundamentally break and make the game worse. Please. It's in a really bad state right now. Not on a content level. Not on a story level. Not on an art level. But we'll get to that in a minute. But on a performance level. The critical foundation is at a critical level right now. Worse it's been in a long time. So I hope with the new adventure, which like I said, by the time this is out, you will probably already be playing it and the servers might be better. I hope so, but I'll find out once I play before our next episode. I believe that's the only news that we really have. Um, I believe I'm, I'm looking at my notes here beyond NRG check. 
Oh, yes. We do have some more news here. If you are a reader, if you enjoy the Sea of Thieves books, <clears throat> the next book was announced, right? We've got the Athena's Fortune book, uh, which takes you through the story of, of Ramsey and Rathbone and that crew. Um, we have a new book coming out, and this book is going to be focused around our favorite, who doesn't float anymore, Head in the Sky Flameheart. The new book is entitled Heart of Fire, and it should be out later this year. I believe for some reason the, the, the month of June is triggering in my head. But later this year, you'll be able to get your hands on the latest Sea of Thieves book, The Heart of Fire, which will take you through the story and history of Captain Flameheart himself. And trust me, this is going to be a very popular book, and the supplies will be dwindling. Yeah, it was a bad joke. I'm sorry. I know you're all excited that the flame heart has gone out of the sky. I get it. I understand. I had to make the joke, though. Is this all the pirate lord could muster? All right, so something on this show that I have said time and time again. No matter how bad the hit registration is, no matter how bad the servers are, no matter how lacking the content is, the one team the one team that I can never find a way to bitch about is the art team, right? And I'm sure the art team is divided into different sectors who do different things. I get it. I understand. Shrines were god-awful. That was horrible. That was a, a, an awful season, an awful update. I know some people like them. It was, it was dog shit. But the art in the shrines were beautiful. The coral, beautiful. The structures, gorgeous. The sunken ships, amazing. Absolutely stunning how they use the different bioluminescence and colors. Mwah! Chef's kiss. I know some people didn't like the fact that Golden Sands Outpost is now in a wreck. That art team nailed the emotion with the mist, the color of the mist, how dense it is, the actual destruction on the outpost itself. Nailed it. Hit it out of the water. I don't like some of the boat skins. Like, for example, the party boat skin. Garbage. I hate it. It's still designed beautifully. The art is still amazing. The Golden Nile boat. I hate that boat. I think it looks like turd. But, again, the art is beautiful on it. I just don't like the theme and the aesthetics and the color choices. But the art, the actual team who designed that boat, it'd be beautiful. They did a great job. I just don't like it. Okay. I can't, I, there's a lot of things in Sea of Thieves that I don't like, but I can't fault the art team because what the art team was going for is what they achieved. I just don't like it. And that's fine. You might, there's probably a lot of cosmetics in the game that you don't like either. I.e. taco hat. Some people like that. I can't fault the art team for what they were going for. They knocked what they were going for out of the park. I just don't like it. Okay. That's fine. But don't worry, art team. I have yelled at Joe Neat. I've yelled at the QA team. I've dealt, yelled at the server team. I've yelled at the hip. I've yelled at all the teams. But you, I haven't got a chance to find something that I can yell at you about. I've now found it. And for the rest of you out there who love the forts, I am about to tell you something that you're going to see the next time you are doing a phantom fort and you will never be able to unsee it. Let me paint the picture for you. I was sailing last weekend with Captain Logan and a few members of the Keel Hall podcast. We had just finished a phantom fort. We had unlocked both the treasury and the, the top room, which I can't think off the top of my head what it's called. The provisions room or whatever. We were carrying the loot down to the, the jail area to load it up onto the platform where you could pulley it out to the edge of the fort where you can easily harpoon it. And as I was turning to pick up a loot, something caught my eye on that pulley system. I pulled out my spyglass and I zoomed in. And my mind about exploded. These new forts, gorgeously designed. Love the, the Spanish theme. 
the overgrown, the prison theme feels like Tower of London, which is not Spanish, but still has the same vibes. I love the cells and I love the doors and I love all the barrels and the artwork and the bunk beds. I love it. I think it was designed perfectly, except when I spy glassed in on the platform that is attached to the pulley system, I noticed a critical mistake. Much like the comfy mattress, which though is pretty, was stupid. Someone got lazy with the pulley system. At the top of the platform, which has ropes going to a knot and attaching to a rope, which goes to the pulley system, you will notice that the rope of the pulley system does not make contact with the knot. Therefore, the platform is not actually attached at all to the pulley system and in fact should be falling out of the sky because it is not attached. The rope does not attach to the knot. In fact, it is just a hovering platform with magical ropes going up to a knot and another magical rope that is looks like, you know, harder than a porn star coming down holding it, but they're not connected. Look at it. Next time you do a phantom fort, go down to the pulley system. Look at the top of the knot and notice it is not actually attached to the pulley system. It is transparent. You can see through it. Literally, the art stops from the rope coming down and the art stops from the knot going up and there's a few inches there of dead air. Laziness. It was missed. Clearly, I expect a lot from this art team because I've seen what they do and I'm sure if any of them listen to their podcast, they're going to be like, fuck, we found it. Of course I found it. I'm the guy that bitched about comfy mattresses for a month. Of course I found it. You guys have been unscathed for 65 episodes. You have been unscathed. Aside from the fact of me saying that I hate some of the designs, I still quickly followed up by the art team still executed a a beautiful design. I just don't like it. But this time, this time, you're taking it to the face. You're taking egg to the face right now because you failed to connect the pulley rope to the actual loading platform. There is a gap there. There is a gap there. Certain parts of my body are not huge. It go through that hole easily. I'm talking about my finger, clearly. Missed it. Egg in the face. You guys, after Joe Neat's ass getting bitten by Jaws a few moments ago, you guys have now fucked up. I saw it with my spyglass. And now every one of you are going to log into the game. In fact, some of you have already probably logged into the game before. When I first told you that, you already logged into the game. And if you're already in the game, you started to set sail listening to my voice. And you're like, no, that's not a thing. There's no way that's a thing that I didn't notice. There's no way I missed that. I am observant. I have the eyes of an eagle. I would have seen it. Some of you are logging in right now and heading to a phantom fort to check it out. I'm telling you right now, you're going to want to bleach your eyes. You're going to want to bleach them. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Every phantom fort we did after that, I looked at it. I'm like, Like, literally, I thought my head was going to explode. It's like someone was painting the rope, and they're just like, ah. Yeah, it's beer o'clock. I'm just just stopping for the day. And leaves to go to the pub. And then, like, they package it up, and they push it out. And he comes back the next day, and I'm like, he's like, um, uh, so I forgot to finish painting. Never mind, not going to say it. I went to the pub and forgot to connect the, nope, not going to say it. You can't unsee it. I'm telling you right now, you can't unsee it. There you go. Art team, strike one. God, if I was keeping track of uh, of strikes, how many many strikes do the QA team and Joe Neat have at this point? How many strikes? 
Our team gets one strike. I go off. Servers have been garbage and hit registration has been garbage for years. Oh, well, it gives me something to rant about. <sighs> so let's talk about the trailer. Let's talk about Forts of the Forgotten. There's a lot of speculation out there about it. I've watched some videos out there, including Falcor's. If you haven't watched Falcor's video on the Forts of the Forgotten uh, speculation, I strongly suggest you do. Uh, he has a lot of good takes. Uh, um, it's actually kind of funny, too, because there are a lot of comic moments that you might not have caught in that particular um, trailer uh, that I think are really funny now that I see them. But there's a lot of things we can speculate about this. Okay, so let's take, let's go back a minute before, before we got the first adventure, let's go back in time to the battle of who is Flameheart Jr. Let's go back that far. There was a outburst on both sides. Some people believe the servant of flame at Reaper's hideout was Flameheart Jr., other people said that's not the case. There were a lot of warring factions at that point in Sea of Thieves. It was a very divisive time. Enter adventure number one, where we are on, I believe it was Shipwreck Cove. I believe it was the island. Correct me if I'm wrong. I have been known to be wrong from time to time. And the Servant of Flame is in one of the memories, a couple of the memories actually, but this particular one, he is kneeled over with his sword outstretched, offering it to Flameheart, pledging his services and loyalty to Flameheart and refers to Flameheart as Father. Thus confirming that the Servant of Flame is indeed the child of Flameheart. The only child that we know of that, that Flameheart has is Flameheart Jr. So with the information we have right now, we can assume that Flameheart Jr. is the servant of flame. Enter now, Forts of the Forgotten. Great, great cinematic. Sea of Thieves knocks these cinematics out of the water, and I'm glad they're back. For a while, we weren't getting them, and I'm glad they have returned, because they do a great job. And we see Wanda with an O, not with an A, but Wanda with an O, not Wanda, but Wanda. We're following the trend here. Wanda, not Wanda, right? And Shelly the Crab are locked in the prison cell that we have all wondered what the prison cell is going to be about, except we know it's going to hold someone. Locked in the prison cell with Spanish phantoms, right? We know they're Spanish forts. I don't believe we've ever heard the phantoms speak, but we now 100% confirm that the phantoms are Spanish uh, uh, soldiers of the Spanish Navy, the, the Royal Spanish Navy. And one of the, I'm assuming, underlings is talking to an officer asking, who are they? I don't know. What are we doing with them? I don't know. Well, how long are they going to... And there's, you know, a kind of funny back and forth. And then it is, it's explained because, again, Flameheart, as soon as season six came, disappeared from a world event. His head went poof, and we don't have it anymore. I miss that shit-talking head. And the conversation says, we are soldiers of the... Royal Spanish Navy, and we have an alliance with Captain Flameheart, and he's the one that calls the shots. And and some comic, oh, you mean the big redhead in the sky? And the response was not any more, which says that Flameheart has changed forms. What form? Don't know. We don't know. But he's no longer a head in the sky. We know that. 
There is a door, if you haven't paid attention, in the Phantom Forts, and all, all of them have this door near the jail, jail cell, which is closed. It has no interactive bull feature on it whatsoever. And it has a barrel or a box and kind of in front of it, but not completely. But every fort has it. In this particular trailer, you hear a door open, and you get the pan over to the door, and it is, in fact, that door that we can see in every fort that is locked and no interaction and some stuff in front of it and a red glow on the door. And out comes the servant of flame out of this red glow. And he walks down the, uh, the, the, the walkway there and the phantom soldiers clearly have a fear of the servant of flame because they snap to attention and sir, and he doesn't even like nod or, or salute back or anything. Just turns to the cell says, you know, that one, you know, bring them. Right. And the voice is similar to the servant of flame from adventure number one, but is a different voice, a deeper voice, a more aggressive voice then the servant of flame that is at Reaper's hideout, the servant of flame that you go turn your Reaper loot into has a very distinct voice. That is a mixture of a male voice and a female voice saying the same lines overlapped on each other with a little, right? This voice is, is, is more aggressive and a deeper voice. It still has that kind of sound of mystery in it, but it's a deeper voice and it's more aggressive. But the voice matches the same voice of Flameheart Jr., from what we understand, in Adventure Number 1. His eyes are also glowing red when he begins to speak about bringing Wanda with an O, not A. Wanda, not Wanda. And I assume Shelly the Crab. Because, you know, Shelly clearly... Clearly Shelly knows more than... Shelly's letting on, okay? Shelly the Crab, I think, is going to be a critical character in all this adventure stuff because Shelly's locked in there too, okay? That crab knows something. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the recipe to the best crab cakes we've ever had. I don't know. But Shelly knows something, okay? Remember that. Shelly knows something. Now I want crab cakes. Um, and then it cuts to the outside of the fort and a ship is approaching. A galleon is approaching. And what we find on that galleon is Wanda with an A, not an O, Wanda, not Wanda. The warsmith formerly residing in the tent at the old Reaper's hideout before the servant of flame has the iconic mask on right in the, in the, uh, uh, dark brethren tall tale of pirate's life. The mask is off and it's a skeletal form and the mask is laying next to her here. She is back in the full cloaked outfit with the mask on. And there is a second, a second masked person slightly behind her. Now Falcor has his theories um, if you, again, if you haven't watched this video, watch it. He will go into in depth on who he believes the person behind Wanda is. And I think it's very, I think it's very on point. I think he, he knows that that person just based on the, uh, the articles of clothing and the mask. Um, I, I think it's definitely uh, a good, uh, a theory that he has, uh, but it's a member of the sea dogs, uh, that has went missing for a very long time. Uh, and there's definitely telltale signs of that. So go check out Falcor's video on the forts of the forgotten trailer. Uh, and he'll go into depth about that. What I want to go into depth at is where the story's going. What vibes do I get? What do I think about what we saw specifically on the junior senior front? Okay. Now I will first say that. Mike Chapman and the story team have an, have an basically an empty canvas in front of them. 
they can go about this in so many different ways. They can see how the fans are reacting. They can see the speculation videos and in, in talks on shows. They can see it all. And they have a blank canvas in front of them because there are so many different angles and directions that they could take this story in the future adventures. So many. Let's talk about a couple. One. The Servant of Flame at Reaper's Hideout is not the same Servant of Flame that pledged his allegiance to Flameheart, called them Father, and is not the same Servant of Flame which is now at the jail cell, thus saying that there are multiple Servants of Flame. We see that Wanda with an A, with the face mask, the cracked face mask, not Wanda with an O, Wanda not Wanda, there are multiple in that cult. There could be multiple servants of flame. The voices are different. The Reaper's hideout voice is different than the voice that we get in the adventures. So theoretically, the servants of flame could be like a higher level officer in the flame heart hierarchy, right? We've got the Ashen Lords, which were like his generals. Maybe there is a higher level of a hierarchy of a very limited group, right? Think about it this way, right? I'm going to make two references to Star Wars here, which I have confirmed Mike Chapman is a massive Star Wars fan. And I'll get into one of my theories here in a minute. But if you're not a Star Wars fan, that's absolutely fine. It's okay to be wrong in your life. I understand. But you've got the... Jedi Grandmaster or the Sith Lord, and then you have the Jedi Council or Jedi Masters under them. Um, in the Jedi world, they would be considered generals in the war. But also the Jedi, not Masters, but Jedi Knights were also generals in the war, but they are a different level of hierarchy. On the Sith side, the evil side, you had the Sith Lord, and then you had his apprentice, or her apprentice, right? Because there's only one. And then you add the Imperials under them, which were at generals and lieutenants and everything else. So it could be a take on a Star Wars style hierarchy since Flameheart and Flameheart Jr. and the Servants of Flame clearly have some sort of mystical power where they're not really like the generals. They're higher than the generals. They're in this kind of hierarchy where they're not quite as cool as Flameheart, but they're also not quite as low on the totem pole as a general, but they're also not quite as low as like a normal skeletal captain, obviously, or a, a skeleton just minion, right? So multiple servants of flame. Now, how many? Don't know. Could be two based on voices. Could be more. We don't know. Now, let's think of it in a different way. The Servant of Flame at Reaper's Hideout could be Flameheart Jr. The Servant of Flame in the first adventure could be Flameheart Jr., pledging his allegiance to Flameheart. The Servant of Flame in this adventure could be Flameheart himself. Not the physical form of Flameheart, but Flameheart sharing mental control of the servant of flame where the pledge of flame heart junior to his father was not just, I'm giving you my sword, but I'm giving you everything. I am going to become the physical body of you on the sea of thieves. I am taking in your Royal headliness into me. And we will share control of this body. The Servant of Flame doesn't have glowing red eyes. It's Flameheart Jr. The Servant of Flame have bright red glowing eyes and talks very aggressively. It's Flameheart. They share control of the body. Interesting take. Where sometimes you're dealing with Flameheart Jr., i.e. when he walks out of the red room and his eyes are not glowing yet, but he still terrifies the Spanish soldiers. But then Flameheart Sr. takes over, eyes start glowing, and he gives his orders. So it's a shared control body. It's Flameheart Jr., 
but it's also Flameheart Sr. Then we go down the mind control route again of Flameheart Jr. legitimately gives all of himself to his father. And honestly, there is no difference between Jr. and Sr. now. Except Junior is the physical form, and Senior is the the puppeteer. He is inside that his his soul, his essence, is inside the body of Flameheart Junior, and it's there's no longer a Flameheart Junior aside from a physical form, and it's just Flameheart Senior. So it's a complete giving up of Flameheart Junior's bodily cavity to Flameheart's essence, and it's now just Senior. All potential, like I said, Chapman and his team have a blank canvas right now. They could take this in so many different ways. But I, like Mike Chapman, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. A massive Star Wars fan. And I would argue that what Mike Chapman has done here is he has set the stage that Sea of Thieves is a age of piracy telling of the Star Wars story. Let me break it down for you. In the Star Wars universe, episodes four, five, and six, the original trilogy, you had an emperor. We didn't see him. We didn't know who he was. He was the leader of the galaxy, the empire's leader, the emperor. Then you had a physical form from the very beginning that obviously is evil, but clearly not the one in charge in Darth Vader. And then you had a series of troops, stormtroopers, officers, etc. I would venture to say that the Emperor, the Star Wars Emperor, is being played by Captain Flameheart Sr. He is pulling all the strings. He is the true leader giving his orders to his right hand, Darth Vader, i.e. the Servant of Flame, i.e. his son, Flameheart Jr. And the Spanish are their stormtroopers, their officers. And even in that moment, that moment that you see that door, or you hear the door open, and Junior walks out, the servant of flame, Flameheart Junior, walks out of the door, right? The Spanish soldiers were just doing their normal shooting the shit thing. And they talked about Flameheart no longer being in the sky. But we don't know what his form is. They haven't clearly seen him. They just know because of their superior officers or whatever. That he is no longer ahead in the sky. Obviously, they can look out their windows and see he's no longer ahead in the sky. But just like in Star Wars, they're just doing their job, and then all of a sudden, Vader arrives and comes walking out the freaking shuttle, and all of them snap to attention because they don't want to be choked to death. Right? It's not the Emperor. It's Vader, and they're just as terrified as him because he is the Emperor's right hand to make sure that they do what they do. I just think of the um, the scene in, I think it's, it's episode, uh, I think it's episode six, it's Return of the Jedi, um, when Vader comes off the thing and he talks to one of the officers and the, uh, and he's, he's, he's like, I'm here to put you back on schedule. And the officer's like, we're, we're doing the best that we can. And he's like, the emperor is, you know, is coming and he's not as forgiving as I am. And the guy's like, Ooh, the emperor's coming here. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like he is terrified of Vader, but he's more terrified of the emperor. So we've got these officers who are clearly terrified of Flameheart Jr., the servant of flame, but even more terrified of, of Flameheart Sr. And I couldn't imagine that they would address Flameheart Senior as sir, right? My lord, sure. Your majesty, eh, maybe. Flameheart Senior, 
wants to rule the Sea of Thieves. He wants to own it. It wants to be his. He wants to sit on the throne and say it's mine. Common soldiers and officers are not going to necessarily refer to someone that egotistical as sir. My lord? Okay. Lord Flameheart? Okay. Sir? Mm, That seems more like talking to a superior officer level, not quite king level. Right? Now, just like in Star Wars, there cannot be a dark side without the light. So if we have a Sith dark side Star Wars story going on in the Sea of Thieves, with Flameheart Sr. being the Emperor, Flameheart Jr., the Servant of Flame, being Darth Vader, and the Spanish Royal Navy being our stormtroopers and Imperial officers. We now have to look at the other side. The Pirate Lord. Huh. He's a... It's kind of like a blue glowy or a green glowy. Oh, you mean like Jedis when they die? He guides us through the Sea of Thieves, showing us the world, not telling us everything, having us explore it. Huh. You mean like dead Jedis did with the next generation? Huh. So I venture to say that the Pirate Lord is playing Yoda, the Grand Master Jedi in our story, and we, the Pirates of the Sea of Thieves, his army, if you will, on the Sea of Thieves, are playing the role of the Jedi, being guided by the Grand Master, the one who has passed on, the one who has given us knowledge and direction throughout our entire lives in the Sea of Thieves, Master Yoda, Master Pirate Le- Lord Ramsey himself, is guiding us, the Jedi Knights, the Jedi Padawans, and the Jedi Masters of the Sea of Thieves to battle the evil Sith, i.e. Emperor Flameheart Sr., Darth Servant of Flame, Flameheart Jr., and the evil stormtroopers and officers of the Royal Navy of Spain. I'm here all week. You're welcome. I have just broke it. Mike Chapman is about to call me and tell me to take this episode down because I just ruined the next year of his story. I just ripped the veil off of his story. I just showed everyone it's Star Wars. I just proved it. I pointed at it. I've showed you the evidence. What more do you want from me? I have just solved Sea of Thieves. I have just solved Sea of Thieves for everyone. We thought we were living in the world of Pirates of the Caribbean. Nay, nay, I say. We are, in fact, living in the golden age of piracy in a galaxy far, far away. This is Star Wars with cutlasses and flintlocks. This is Star Wars. Minus the X-Wings and the TIE Fighters, give us galleons and sloops. This is the Sea of Star Wars. All joking aside, though, Mike Chapman is a huge Star Wars fan, and there are definitely Star Wars tones and themes that you could take from a lot of this, from the saluting of the troops uh, to Flameheart Jr., to the fact that Ramsey is old and wise and, you know, guides us through this particular thing. What new Bell is? Bell is Ahsoka Tano. Don't know who Ahsoka Tano is? I'm sorry. That's who Bell is. Bell is Ahsoka Tano. There are so many Star Trek fans that have tuned out by now, and I don't care. Look, I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm wrong. I think it's a pretty good theory. I'm going to go with it. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, we should all be excited about where the story is. We should all be excited about doing this new adventure, Forts of the Forgotten. We should all be excited about the blank canvas that is laying in front of us. All the potential speculations we can make, all the potential ideas. But what, at the end of the day, we should do is sit back and enjoy the story. Because it's an absolutely fantastic story that they've set up. It's an absolutely fantastic thing that they're doing. And this story is going to be epic. It is going to be cool. I think we're going to see a really awesome clash uh, between Wanda with an A, not an O, the Warsmith, the one with the mask, and Flameheart Jr. and Sr., I think we're going to see a clash there. I think very soon we're going to have to choose sides. I think we're going to potentially either have to be on the side of Vader and the Emperor, Jr. or Sr., or we're going to have to be on the side of the Warsmith, or we're going to be the awkward third party that no one likes in any PvP attack that you ever do that stupid-ass sloop that comes up in third parties and just annoys the piss out of you. That could also be us. We could also be that awkward third party. I have no idea. But what I do know is, aside from the current shittiness of the servers, which I hope is going to be fixed probably by the time this episode's out, I hope, oh, please, please, gods of Jonit, please fix this. All that I know is this story is extremely exciting right now. And if you're not excited about the future of the Sea of Thieves lore and story, I don't know what is going to excite you. This is awesome. And I'm anxious to get my hands on the Heart of Fire book to learn more about Flameheart because I think he's a great villain. Though he has been annoying to all of us with his shit talking in the sky, I think he's a great villain. Um, and I can't wait to learn more about him and read that book. Athena's, uh, the Athena's Fortune book is amazing. And I think this Flameheart Heart of Fire book is going to be equally amazing. But guys, tell me what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. Join the Discord. Shoot me an email. However you want to get in contact with me. Let me know what you think about my Star Wars theory. Let me know. And if it's not positive, and it's not telling me I'm right, I don't want to hear it. Leave me a comment. Drop a like on the YouTube video. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube, please go over to the YouTube Pirate Talk Radio on YouTube. Please hit that subscribe button. Even if you don't watch this show on YouTube, that's absolutely fine. I just need the subscriber numbers to go up so we can actually get the URL slash Pirate Talk Radio. That's all that that's all I'm asking. Please go over there, drop a like, leave me a comment. Thank you very much, guys. Take care of yourselves and each other. I hope you're having a good time out there on the seas, and I'll see you next time on Pirate Talk Radio.